Good afternoon. Please turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We'll read from verse 26 to 39. Our focus is on verse 39. But the dealing with that verse is in the context of Philip and the Ethiopian official. Verse 39 reads, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But let's read from verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer he's silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. A portion of scripture that has been considered before, before the Lord's table, during Easter periods, and even during times like baptism. The purpose of this record by Luke was to show the means that is obedient spirit-led activity of evangelism and direction of the church's expansion to God-fearing Gentiles who were attracted to Judaism at this time. So Luke is telling us this story to tell us how evangelism, not only in this story, but all the time, maybe not as dramatic as spirit-led, but evangelism from beginning to the end must be led by the Holy Spirit. That's what we meet right in chapter 1. Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. Then you will be my witnesses. One of the things looks stressed in this narrative is the Spirit's leadership in this evangelism. 
and in all evangelism. This man had visited Jerusalem to worship, was studying the Old Testament, and was open to instruction by a Jew. But even though he knew the Jewish scriptures, even though he did go to the Jewish center for worship, he was not saved. In Luke's narrative, the eunuch was the first full-fledged Gentile that recorded being evangelized in the book of Acts. And even in that explanatory note, it's important to observe, beloved, that the fact that you do come to church, the fact that you do read the Christian Bible, the fact that you even come to a center of worship, does not necessarily mean you are saved. This man was religious in the eyes of the world. Come to worship, now was returning, was reading the best book you could ever read on his way. And yet what he was reading was not making sense. And it is when these things are explained, and obviously as you read the text, he realizes that he must publicly demonstrate that he identifies with the Savior because he has heard the gospel. It is then that he was baptized. So again, beloved, please be careful not to base the basis of your assurance simply on the activities you do. Salvation is a relationship with Christ and that assurance must be a ministry of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of the Bible by responding genuinely. What I would like quickly by way of repetition from this passage is simply to ask, why did this man go away rejoicing? And I've indicated this as the rejoicing life. You may actually call it different names and titles. The jubilation that comes after conversion. The excitement of entering into the kingdom of God. The joy of being a part of Christ or union. You can call it, and I'm simply calling the rejoicing life. And as the heading must lead that the rejoicing life or the life that is lived rejoicingly, ideally and normally, is a Christian one. Only Christians are able to rejoice in a unique way and particular way. The reason the Ethiopian eunuch went away rejoicing after baptism and what we can learn from this experience. But notice also, because the two in the book of Acts, are very closely linked. Uh, that you got baptized almost immediately. So when you heard the gospel, you read the accounts. What is stopping me is the question here. In the house of Cornelius and all others, the baptism came on the very day. If not simply different by minutes. And so it's in that context that this rejoicing is being done but also in the obedience of this glorious ordinance. Why did he go away rejoicing? 
and went on his way rejoicing, were firstly, because he heard and applied the good news. He heard and applied the good news. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? They said, How can I, unless someone guides me? In other words, I do not understand. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And it's that whole section I'm referring to as he heard and applied the good news. Regarding the death and Christ being the only one that can save. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he, opened, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now you will know that Isaiah is predicting the death of Christ. And the fact that he will be humiliated, he will be killed as it were unjustly. That he's not going to protest and seek to prove himself right. And then we are told, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What this eunuch heard what was not probably explained until this point is what we call the best of all news. And it is this news he heard and believed. So that when this is done, and in the discussion we assume, and rightly so, that Philip has indicated this is how you identify publicly with Christ when they come across the waters here was the eunuch's question. When they came up, verse 39, out of the water, apologize, verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? If you're using the ESV, there is an exclamation mark. But even these words, he's speaking them with excitement. You could already see that even before baptism, here is a rejoicing man. Here is a man who has heard the gospel and has applied it. And because he has heard this great news, you can almost assume that wherever he was going, he was humming a tune that nobody heard. And he was ready to proclaim what he had heard. He realized what a great discovery he had made. He had found a redeemer. Him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. 
As a man awakened to a sense of spiritual danger, he must have felt the need of a savior prior to this. If this was his life, if he was reading the Old Testament, he did come across again and again the warnings of those that will not embrace the Messiah from Israel. And having a man to come to him and say, your fears can actually be stopped today. Your anxieties can be settled. Your uncertainties can be guaranteed with certainties. You are safe if you look to the Savior. And because he has heard and applied the best of news, we read of him. Went away on his way rejoicing. As a proselyte to the Jewish faith, he must have been expecting the consolation of Israel. All the faithful longed for the coming one at this time. And as he, he discovers the deliverer in Jesus of Nazareth. Of Nazareth. And surely he is rejoicing. My hope is that, beloved, those of you that were baptized today, you're rejoicing for the right reasons that you can truly say, I heard the gospel, I did repent of my sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and held on to his promises and therefore because he is faithful, I can rejoice because the promises he has made regarding salvation are mine. I pray and trust. You're not rejoicing simply because aha, uh -huh, you've finally done the last Christian ritual. And that's all it is. If that's all it is, beloved, I would like to say it as I've said on occasions, all you've had is the first bath. Nothing else. And if that's what it was, I would like to say to you, what a shame. What a shame that you can reduce a glorious Christian experience simply to washing without soap. What a shame. What a waste of energy. I might even need to charge you. But if you truly are like this person, you can truly say as you confessed, that Christ is your Savior and Lord, you have cause to rejoice. Why did he go away rejoicing? He heard and applied the good news. He did not only hear, he appropriated, he, he made this his and responded to the Savior as the gospel demanded. Secondly, because of the change of his spiritual position. Because of the change of his spiritual position. A hearing of the gospel and the applying of the gospel brings a transformation the apostle Paul would call in Corinthians. We become a new creation. The old things have passed. So that our preoccupation, as the far as the Apostle Paul is concerned, in Philippians and in Colossians, that our focus is on heavenly things. 
The Ethiopian spiritual condition when Philip met him was as arid as the desert. It was an empty. It was one that had no hope. However, when the two men parted, the eunuch had experienced the refreshing effects of having been washed by the waters of life. Beyond the symbolism, the Ethiopian eunuch could literally say, as in Romans 6, how can I continue sinning because I have died with Christ and have risen with him to newness of life. That he was rejoicing not simply because he fulfilled the ordinance, he was rejoicing because what the ordinance symbolized was true. There is only one way we will prove this, Mr. Muawo. There is only one way, Mr. Caleb. There is only one way, Mr. Mumba will prove this. Your lifestyle. Your lifestyle. You've told us today publicly you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. You're saying to us he rules in your hearts. Well, that's what you told us. We are waiting. We are waiting. Again, I would like to echo your commitment during the baptism lessons. Excellent. Powerful. Glorious. No pastor would be disappointed. Here is the challenge. Was last Lord's Day the last of your commitment? Now I've been baptized. Take life as I have. Mr. Mwo, three months from now, one year from now, if I went to Mr. Mwo Senior and said, how is the young man? Will he simply shake his head? Or will he smile with tears in his eyes? Because this son genuinely is proving that he's no longer the old one. I'm not sure how sarcastic you are, but assuming you are, will the sarcasm have ended? Will the arrogance have stopped? Will the stubbornness come to an end? Because of the change of his spiritual position. His position had changed because of his identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian official testified to his faith and in Jesus as the Messiah by submitting to baptism. His response, why shouldn't I be baptized, indicates that water baptism was a mark of his personal decision to trust in Christ. Faith, where are you? Are you here? Did your father put you up to this? Did he force you? Because we can cancel it, you know. Nobody forced you. Therefore, please do demonstrate. Now, Faith and I were chatting and I was saying to her, the youngest I have baptized was a grade six young lady. And I was saying to Faith, when were, you when were you saved? I think she was saying to me, as way back as grade four, maybe five. And my question was, why were you not baptized? 
But then I said, probably we were saying, first to Kuleko. Well, here is the challenge I put to her and I put to the rest of you. Will you prove us wrong that even young ones can be baptized and still remain faithful, even at 79? Please prove us wrong. Because I can tell you that if we did ask here, should faith be baptized? I think some of us would say, yeah, you know, she, but you know, talakula. Faith, prove us wrong. Mr. Caleb, prove us wrong. Before you go to university, prove us wrong that you can still stand your Christian faith even in a confused university. Prove us wrong. Mrs. Mulola, prove your husband wrong. Because he was saying to me, now if you ask him to refuse, he was saying to me, he's not sure. Now obviously if you ask him, he will refuse. Uh, choose who you believe. Because of the change of his spiritual position. I said before in this pulpit, and I said that there's a young, an old Christian. Old, I think now probably in his 70s, uh, 75. And he's always asked, where are we saved differently? Because as far as he's concerned, today's Christians don't seem to live up the Christian standards. So that is made to us, maybe if we were to speak differently, friends prove us wrong. Jimbiwa, prove your father wrong. Because he said to me, you do not wash plates. Now, that's another one who refused. Do prove us wrong. Kukenga, we are here. Mrs. A, those patients, they must see a difference. They know Prove us wrong. Because your spiritual position has changed. The man was celebrating the great change which he had experienced at that moment. His mind was enlightened and his heart was changed. H.P. Bowen said, no thoughtful man could have reflected on what had now taken place within him without feeling grateful and happy. The joy of the slave is great when delivered from the slavery of the earth. But the joy of the emancipated, emancipated from heaven, is greater. Illustrates how liberty is a cause for joy by following, by the following citation. We read of an ancient race who had been slaves for many years and were at last released. And when the great blessing of liberty was tested by them, they cried for several hours, liberty. Liberty, liberty. Some man writes, some years ago, we redeemed 800,000 of West Indian slaves. When the midnight hour came, the shouts of their gratitude and joy were utterly beyond description. Oh, but your freedom, which you 
testified of this evening is not an earthly one. It's a heavenly one. The deliverance of the slave of sin is a greater source of joy. True joyfulness is found only in Christ. Only in God and the God of the Bible. Why did he go away rejoicing? Because he heard and applied the best of all news. You probably are here this evening. You have no hope. If Jesus came today, you don't know what may happen to you. So every misfortune of life is a cause for terrible discomfort, anxiety, and worry. Let me put it this way, by way of a direct question. If you die today, will you be home with Christ? Or where are you are, you are already saying, don't say that. Uh, don't say that if I died today. Well, if you are afraid, I would want to ask you, are you sure you are a Christian? Can you truly rejoice in the fact that Christ has set you free? Can you shout liberty, liberty, liberty? Because in the language of John, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Can we tell by your fruits? Thirdly, because of what baptism is and what it means. It's a means of grace. God in his wisdom and providence has given us baptism as one of the ways he gives us his grace as comes through this ordinance. It's a means of grace. And he affirms it on the baptism of his son. It was at this point that all the three were audibly present and for the Son and the Holy Spirit. Physically, the Holy Spirit in symbolism, but sin. The Son, the Father, unmistakably heard. It was during baptism. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The dove descended. And so we could say that there is a means of, as it were, assuring the Son, a ministry to the Son that says, we're with you. And we read, he was taken off into the wilderness and under the Holy Spirit he overcame. It is a rite, an ordinance symbolizing union with the body of Christ. You are members of Undola Baptist Church. The morning I was talking about the privileges of members. At that point, you didn't have that privilege. Now you do. You can call for the elders to come and pray for you. Fourthly, because he had attained to the greatest of all honors. Because he had attained to the greatest of all honors. There is nothing more honorable than becoming a follower of Christ. Nothing. He was made a servant of the king of heaven. Not by baptism, but by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And baptism was simply a mark that said, 
to Philip and others, you are part of God's kingdom. And some suppose that from this time henceforth, he became a preacher of the gospel of his kingdom. Not only a servant, but a son, a son of God. And Jesus would not be ashamed to call him a brother. By faith in Jesus Christ, if a son, then an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. There is no honor than this. So that we sing that song, we are heirs of the father. We joint heirs with the son. Where the true question is this, are you really? Are you a joint heir with the son of God? Well, this man went away rejoicing because he had become a servant of the king of heaven because he had become a son of the heavenly father. He had become an heir of God's kingdom and an heir and a joint one with Christ. A true happiness is connected only with true piety. Happiness is not found in wealth, honor, or worldly pleasure. This distinguished man possessed all these before his conversion. But it's only here we read of him. He went away rejoicing. In the picture of this joy is a presentation that says to us, before this, he may have some level of happiness. He may have had nice wine. He may have had nice chicken, uh, probably smoked chicken. Well done Chinese cabbage. I'm not sure they had it, but whatever vegetable they had. He did enjoy life to some degree, but it could not be said of him, he went away. This was a different joy. You probably have reasonable money. You have minimal challenges of life. So you can say to some extent you are happy. But can it be said of you that you go on with life rejoicing? Can you even in the context of COVID speak like the Apostle Paul? For me to die is what? Gain. Why is he saying that? Because as far as he's concerned, heaven is a better place. Even when he's in prison, when he's writing to the Philippians, he's able to say rejoice. And again I say choice. Why is he in prison? Because what happened to this official happened to the apostle Paul. Can you truly say that? Friends, are you rejoicing because this is true? The eunuch was a convert to the rites and ceremonies of the Jewish religion, yet never before this do we find him going on his way rejoicing from the great feasts. He so was not satisfied with shadows. Now he finds the reality and he finds joy and peace and in believing the path of duty is the path of safety. It is also the path of pleasure. He obeys and celebrates God's glorious gift. 
lastly, because he had gotten his title, Deeds to Heaven. Because he had gotten his title, Deeds to Heaven, and eternal glory ratified and sealed. Believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, demonstrated this by public ordinance, faith in Christ is the one way to have a title in heaven. When I was asking the question, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? If that's truly true, you do have the title deeds to heaven and your eternal glory is ratified. So you'd read in the scriptures, Ephesians, and the Holy Spirit gives us a fortest of this glory land. There is a guarantee deposited. Your inheritance is assured. That's why this man went away rejoicing. I'll challenge you, friends. Do not only rejoice today, but rejoice all the days of your life in sickness and in health, in poverty and in riches. May this joy be yours. May you continue to be faithful. As it is true, may it also be true to all of us. But I want to close with this again. Are you sure you are saved? Because if you are not, you cannot rejoice this way. There is only one way to guarantee this. Look to Christ in repentance and faith. He will save just like he did here. Please be saved. Only then can you rejoice. May God grant that we will. For Christ is sake. Amen.